your freedom. The New World Order. This is a conspiracy. Rooted revelation. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. It is Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. Welcome. Well, today in the headlines, uh, Mayorkas survives impeachment. The House fails to get a standalone funding bill for Israel. And Rona McDaniel, chair of the RNC, is out. She's going to resign after the primary... South Carolina. And McConnell is under fire once again for helping to draft the border bill that is really a vehicle to finance the Ukraine war. So we're going to get into all of that and I'm going to name the Republican representatives who, I think there were four of them who failed to vote for the impeachment of Mayorkas. So we're going to go ahead and look into the headlines. right now. Ah! What happened here? Okay. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Unprepared as usual for this live stream. So from the New York Times, Mayorkas impeachment vote, Republican impeachment of Mayorkas fails in a stunning defeat for uh, Speaker Johnson, really wasn't up to Speaker Johnson. The House rejected impeachment charges against the Homeland Security Secretary. Republicans have promised to actions for for months and said they would try again as early as Wednesday. Good. Um, What I want to talk about first off is that there were four Republicans traitors to the cause who voted uh, against impeachment. Perry and I talked about this last night. If you have a chance, you could check out our conversation. Tuesdays with Perry, episode 68, which is up right now. So the House representatives, uh, the Republicans who voted against impeachment, and the impeachment was based on dereliction of duty for the uh, Homeland Security Secretary to allow millions of illegal immigrants to cross the border and to be shipped across the country. The first one was Colorado Representative Ken Buck, also Wisconsin Representative Mike Gallagher, California Representative Tom McClintock, and Blake Moore of Utah. Now, these representatives were the four that put the Democratic push to keep Mayorkas in over the top. If these, if any of these, I think they only lost by a couple votes. If two out of the four had voted for impeachment, they would have gotten it. So these are considered traitors to the cause. Uh, Last night, even Perry was talking about how could they, how do they defend themselves, uh, uh, you know, to their constituents and say that, Mayorkas was not derelict in his duty to keep America safe by allowing 
thousands of people on the terrorist watch list to cross into the country. It's obvious dereliction. It's obviously treasonous behavior and his unwillingness in testimony in front of the Senate and the House to, to continually insist that the border is safe and closed, which it's neither. So we're going to move on to other headlines here. This is from Reuters. House, uh, U.S. House rejects Republican-led effort to pass Israel aid-only bill. Now, I was pushing for this for a while, and, and Perry and I discussed it last night. Why can't all the bills, because there's always a trade-off, why can't all the bills be standalone bills? Why can't the Israel aid be funded, uh, be voted on, the funding for their aid be separate from the border? Why can't the border be separate from Ukraine? And that's way you can find out where everybody stands on every issue. Because if you have a combined bill and your senator and your representative vote on it, you don't know what they're voting for. Are they voting for the border? Are they pro, uh, pro-border? Or are they pro-Ukraine? Or are they pro-Israel? You don't know. They just vote yes or no. But if all these uh, elements of the bill are separated, these, these funding, these appropriations, then if they're separated, you know where your representative or your senator stand on each issue. So if it's just a standalone border bill and they vote yes, you know they want them to close the border. If it's a standalone Ukraine, you know they're voting for war. If they're if they're if it's a standalone Israel bill, you know they're voting for war, the continued war on Gaza and the Palestinians. So we're going to move back to uh, we're going to move back to the uh, this Reuters article. The vote was two hundred fifty to one eighty, failing falling short because it was introduced under an expedited procedure requiring a two thirds majority for passage. So there were 250 in favor of separating the bill. The vote was largely along party lines, although 14 Republicans opposed the bill and 46 Democrats supported it. Not surprising at all because there are some establishment folks still in the Republican House and they are some moderate Democrats out there, particularly ones that support Israel that want to see the funding go through. Not surprising, not surprising at all. Um, Certainly, we're going to move on to some other headlines, though. Right now, Rona McDaniel, RNC chairwoman, plans to step down. Donald Trump is likely to back a supporter of his false claims of election fraud. Michael Watley, the head of the North Carolina GOP, to replace her. This is the New York Times, of course, reporting that. Um... Supporter of his false claims. I don't I don't think, you know, you can't characterize his false claims of election fraud because there was plenty of election fraud. If you believe there was no election fraud, then get rid of mail-in ballots. And they can't, they certainly can't argue that whatsoever. This is this is the problem with the whole false election claims and insurrection and all. If you don't believe that there was election fraud, then get rid of mail-in ballots. You can't because the Democrats won't win, won't even come close to winning without it. 
And you would surely see how close uh, Trump is to a rout if that were the case. We're going to move on to some other headlines. Joe Biden coast to victory. Nikki Haley upended by none of these candidates in thinly contested Nevada primary. This is from the New York Post. And if you didn't see the headline closely, read the headline closely, Nikki Haley upended by none of these candidates. So what happened? So in Nevada, they're having a caucus, which is later this week, and they had a primary, which was pushed by the Democrats. The Democrats want a primary, but the Republicans wanted a caucus. So all the delegates are associated with a caucus that Trump will win, and why Nikki Haley decided to run in the primary is unbeknownst to me, that was a Democratic vehicle, but she lost to none of the above. So more people checked none of the above than voted for Nikki Haley, which is just outlandishly hysterical. Just, you can't even, and she's preparing to go back to her home state of South Carolina for their primary, which she will certainly lose by double digits, if not 20 points. Moving on to other headlines, uh, Politico, behind the border mess, open GOP rebellion against McConnell. The Republican leader told Politico that his critics had their shot already, but conservatives are not done whacking him over the immigration for Ukraine aid implosion. Reading from Politico, he is under open attack from the right for even trying to work with Democrats on the border. The Senate GOP... And you have to understand Politico is um, is mainstream media. So just keep that in mind while I read this. The Senate GOP leader is facing internal resistance not seen in more than a year as Republicans descend into discord over two issues they once demanded to be linked. They didn't. They didn't demand to be linked. Border security and the war in Ukraine. What they said, <laughs> before I read on, I just have to say, what they said is that for there even to be a vote on Ukraine aid, there must be a vote on border security. Nobody wanted the bills to be combined. That's a mischaracterization. They said if there was even to be a vote on funding for Ukraine, there, we must first fix the border, even to vote. So let's be clear on that. So... That's why I call Politico mainstream media because they, like the New York Times, they'll constantly mischaracterize the reality of what's happening and what the discussion is. And and these are seasoned reporters, so they have to be doing it uh, purposefully. This is not some mistake by a naive reporter. McConnell... So I'll just read that again. Republicans in the Senate discord over two issues they once demanded to be linked. Border security and the war in Ukraine. Uh, they didn't demand to be linked. Linked. They don't want to link in the same bill. McConnell now uh, nearing his 82nd birthday is determined to fund the Ukrainian war effort like all neocons. A push's allies have depicted as legacy defining hard to say, maybe his allies in the Council of Foreign Relations, 
But now that his party is set on Wednesday to reject a bipartisan trade of tougher border policies for war funding, they weren't tougher border policies and other mischaracterization. For war funding, his far-right critics are speaking out more loudly. Several held a press conference on Tuesday where they denounced his handling of the border talks, including Ted Cruz, which we'll get to in just a second. I have to take issue here with far-right critics. So if you're far-right on the economic scale of politics, you don't want funding. If you're far-right conservative, you don't want to spend money. So if you're far-right, I don't know where they mix up the ideology. You don't want spending on anything. So it has nothing to do with war funding. You wouldn't want any war funding. You wouldn't want spending, if you're far right, you don't want spending on the border either. That's why they say tougher border policies because it's not going to take money to fix the border. You just have to enforce the existing rules. From the Hill, uh, Ted Cruz says it's time for McConnell to step down as GOP leader. Indeed, uh, he's too old. And as we saw um, as we saw in, uh, I just have to go into something here. I have to fix something. As we saw in, um, in McConnell, McConnell and the RNC did not back MAGA candidates in 2022. So, and, and as a neocon, an establishment figure, he wants to spend money, so he's not really conservative. He just wants to spend money on the military-industrial complex. I was going to move, excuse me, just one second. I need to move an article around here because I wanted to get to this. Next, um, McConnell's got to go because he's not fitting in with a new Republican Party, which has become more working class and more constitutional than, and less um, corporatist. And that's what Mitch McConnell is. He just wants to spend money so a lion's share goes to the military-industrial complex and the um, Council of Foreign Relations uh, foreign policy goals can be met. All right, um... We're going to move to the next article here uh, from the Daily Beast. Kremlin cronies, um, Putin Tucker interview will blow up U.S. election. Russia state TV stooges believe a Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin will boost Putin at home and help restore Trump to the White House. And I'm just going to read from the inter, uh, from the article here. And don't forget, this is from the Daily Beast. And so this is a problem with I mean, they consider this mainstream media. It's not really establishment media. It's just more of the same, though. Could be MSNBC or Joy Reid. To underscore the depth of uh, Carlson's commitment to the Russian cause, which it isn't even... (laughs) I just have to say, there have been plenty of journalists who go and interview Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden, that doesn't mean you throw in with those people. There have been interviews with um, the uh, Ayatollah Khomeini and others. Um, 
there have been plenty of interviews, journalists doing interviews with um, important despots, should I say, and so that doesn't mean to mean you're throwing in with the Russian cause. And if you saw Tucker Carlson's preview, he just said he's not a supporter of Vladimir Putin, but it's it's important to talk to the guy who's at the center of this war in Ukraine. It goes on to say state media programs pointed out that in America, he is called out as a traitor and his trip is being compared to Jane Fonda's Viet, uh, visit to Vietnam in 1972, uh, which it isn't because... Jane Fonda was not a journalist. During Sunday's broadcast of a show at dawn on channel, uh, former New York Times correspondent John Veroli feverishly exclaimed that Carlson could be liquidated at any moment, describing him as, as Joe Biden's enemy number one in Russia, where the killings of imprisonments or imprisonments of journalists and dissidents are quite routine, an absurd assertion that the Biden administration is trying to hunt down Tucker Carlson might sound unbelievable. Just ridiculous reporting from the Daily Beast and this journalist. Tucker Carlson is just scoring a major interview with the head of Russia who's embroiled in a proxy war in Ukraine with the West. So wouldn't it be interesting to at least hear, um, even if, Vladimir Putin lies or veils or distorts his actual intentions, wouldn't you want to hear from the horse's mouth what he plans to do, what his plans in Ukraine are, or what the whole reason for his the invasion of Ukraine is? Wouldn't you want to hear his point of view? We got to hear from everybody else. Got to hear from Joe Biden. Um, but no, that, that rarely comes comes around we have to hear more and more propaganda like this from the washington post section three aimed to keep confederates out of office and they're talking about the constitution um uh, the 14th amendment and future insurrectionists too so i just also have to say is that trump isn't an insurrectionist the people on january 6th that rioted at the capitol were not insurrectionists it wasn't an armed insurrectionist. It wasn't an armed rebellion. An insurrection means, particularly, you're in the office and then you take up armed rebellion to uh, thwart the existing government. It didn't happen. It wasn't insurrection. That wasn't done by Trump at all. Um, he didn't call for insurrection. He didn't call for armed rebellion against uh, the democratic process or anything like that. Again, what Trump called for and what the protesters called for was an investigation into what seemed like fraud in the 2020 election. We're going to move on to other headlines. Forbes reported this is back from January 28th. Google update shows how Bard AI may work with your messages app. 
Um, and this has to go with you Android people too. Let's just read from the story. But Bard's chat also acknowledges that it may ask to analyze your messages to understand the context of your conversations, your tone, and your interests. It may analyze the sentiment of the messages to tailor its responses to your mood and vibe. And it may analyze your message history with different contacts to understand your relationship dynamics to personalize responses based on who you're talking to. Like, that doesn't sound creepy. Like I said, they've been vacuuming up all your internet uh, traffic, all your internet actions, um, all your social media content. They've been vacuuming that up, and now private and government AI are sorting through your history and determining your mood and your vibe, your sentiment of your messages and, and your relationship dynamics. That doesn't sound like privacy to more. It's me. It's worse than pri uh, violation of privacy. They're not just vacuuming up your, uh, your traffic, uh, maybe to analyze it if there was some flag, but now the red flags are going into your sentiment and your mood. That doesn't scare the shit out of you. I just wanted to go over uh, one quick article from the New York Times here. Former Chilean president Sebastian Panera dies in helicopter crash. Mr. Panera was a billionaire businessman who served two terms of, of, of president of Chile. The point being, he strengthened the nation's young democracy after becoming his first conservative leader since military dictatorship died in a helicopter crash. Which, if you know anything about the CIA, that's their lead method of assassination is airline disaster because it looks... Now, all the other people escaped, but this guy did not. Um, and it was his helicopter. Apparently, he was flying it. So who knows what happened there? I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying that he was a conservative and he was a billionaire and God forbid he came out for Bolsonaro or Trump or Bukele or anything in this uh, conservative populist movement sweeping the globe. We're going to move on to other headlines here. Uh, the Hill credit card debt increases by $50 billion to new record high. Also from CNBC, credit card delinquencies surge in 2023 indicating financial stress stress according to the new york fed back to the hill the latest report released in, uh, on tuesday found the total credit card balances stood at 1.13 trillion by the end of december which is about 4.6 percent increase from the third quarter this appears to be the highest credit card balance since at least 2003 according to federal reserve data the quarterly report on household debt and credit also found the total household debt increased by $212 billion in the fourth quarter, bringing the total to $17.5 trillion of household debt. Why is that increasing? Because of inflation. So also, if you didn't know, um, the inflation uh, and the Fed raising uh, interest rates means it raises rate on outstanding credit card debt and other debt. So this becomes a problem. 
Also, your dollar, dollars devalued against your wage, et cetera, et cetera. People are doing financially poorer. And a lot of people are supplementing, because I've done this in the past too, supplement my income with credit cards. Because the stuff you can't afford to buy, cash, you just have to put on your credit card and hope to pay it off someday. Did I get a, I think I got a uh, internet hang up there on the live stream. So moving on to other news, New York Times, for the first time in two decades, U.S. buys more from Mexico than China. The United States bought more goods from Mexico than China in 2023 for the first time in 20 years. Evidence of how much global trade patterns have shifted. The new data released on Wednesday showed that Mexico outpaced China to become America's top source of official imports, (laughs) including illegal immigrants, For the first time in 20 years, a significant shift that highlights how increased tensions between Washington and Beijing are altering trade flows. It really has to do with the fact that the tariffs and the trade policy set forth by Trump that uh, extended into the Biden administration continued and the the relationship with China because of the awareness of the electorate has soured. So that has become an issue and because of the new NAFTA policy, the AMC, I think it was, um, that's the deal. And so that was more favorable to the U.S. And so China, excuse me, Mexico, uh, U.S. trade increased after that and the tariffs Uh, for businesses uh, dealing with China also increased. So that has a lot to do with it. Moving back to the article, the United States trade deficit with China narrowed significantly last year with goods imports from the country dropping 20% to $427 billion. The data shows Americans, consumers, and businesses turned to Mexico, Europe, which is a good thing, South Korea, India, and Canada, which is a good thing, and Vietnam for auto parts, shoes, toys, raw materials. Vietnam, not so good, obviously, because it's a communist country, but what I do like about the communists in Vietnam is they don't like the communist Chinese. They don't like Maoists. Uh, The people in Vietnam are traditionally Marxist, which is better than Maoism if you really know much about communism. Moving on to other articles, Wall Street Journal Ford could get 50% more profit without EVs, delaying investment in technology in the e-technology, boosts earnings, but also prolongs a messy transition. If you think that that's messy at all. So again, with the ESG, as I have to remind people, which is this woke, these woke policies, particularly in economics, they skirt their fiduciary responsibility to their investors that Ford would be making more money, increasing dividends uh, for people invested in the uh, auto manufacturer. They skirt their fiduciary responsibility to those investors by, by going along with this ESG bullshit. This is, this is as part of the woke nonsense that nobody really seems to, to like because if you're an investor, certainly, you don't want to go along with this sort of shit. So from the Hill, half of trans people in the U.S. have considered moving out of state because of anti-LGBTQ laws, plus, plus, plus. I have to go on to say the reasoning for this 
is simply um, not true, and I'm going to go to the article here, um, is that they're talking about the laws have to deal with minors, and I'm going to get to why that's specific, even though they don't mention it in the story. The story goes on to read, more than 315 bills targeting LGBTQ rights and trans rights, especially were especially were introduced to state legislatures across the country in 2022 when the survey was conducted according to the tally kept by the Human Rights Campaign and National LGBTQ++ Civil Rights Group. Anti-LGBTQ legislation surged again in 2023 with the least with at least 510 bills introduced in 46 states, according to the American Civil Liberties Union, more than 80 became law. And I have to say here that that's bullshit because all the bills, look at the bills, they deal with minors and students. Most of the LGBT, anti-LGBTQ rights has nothing to do with that. It has to do with books, not in public libraries, but in school libraries. Most of the trans rights, especially these laws that were targeting transition care, health care for minors, which are still charges of their parents. And they're trying to say that people that are young adults can't get life-altering care, hormonal and otherwise, without their parents and in some states, even with their parents, uh, sign on, their parents, okay, they still can't get it. So it doesn't really have anything to do with LGBTQ rights of adults or the fact with books or, if you're an adult, you can. Um, But the point is, if you're a minor, you can't. And so they're not specific here in this article, again, waving the red flag. And I just watched a speech by Michael Schellenberger who went out, obviously, and and checked out the data uh, according to attacks on uh, trans people, which there's no definitive evidence that trans people are attacked or killed because they're trans. That usually the attacks and and the the assaults, the violence have have to do with other things entirely. So this is all a misnomer. It's all mischaracterized. And uh, so I'm going to leave it there and move on to other Articles from Politico, Republicans call to remove uh, New York City sanctuary city laws after the assault on cops by the immigrant migrants. Most of you are aware of this footage where recent arrived, recently arrived illegal immigrants to New York City, um, a gang of them beat up on local police officers. Then Alvin Bragg's uh, prosecutor's office released them without bail and they skipped town. And so most of the people were upset at this because it seems like a velvet glove approach to, because as most people always say that if someone's willing to attack a police officer, they're more willing to attack uh, regular citizens. And I think I'm going to close out with one article here. Terrorized by gangs, Ecuador embraces the hardline Nobia way. Ecuador's new president has deployed the military to wrest power from gangs in cities all across the country, not much different than what Bukele did. And as I often say, and you'll see this in Brazil, uh, because the, what the left does, and this is why the left, like Alvin Bragg in New York City, 
they release criminals is because the left is aligned with criminal element, criminal gangs, organized crime, et cetera, et cetera, that are used as brown shirts, whether they're anarchists or other violent lawbreakers, they're used for political end. And the left has been doing this for years. And so you're seeing right-wing governments, especially in Latin America, taking power and then using the military uh, like they did in El Salvador to get control of the state from gangs, criminal element, organized criminal element like MS-13 and others. And this happened in Ecuador too because the left, a lot of times, um, in organized with intelligence groups uh, from the West, they're uh, wresting power away from those groups and good riddance, and that helps the society, and it helps people who are in fear of their for their lives, and end up fleeing to other Western countries for law, you know, to live in a place where they're safe for law and order. So all these moves from the conservative governments in Latin America are going to help with the migrant flow. So I think that's about it for me today. I hope I didn't run too long. I'm trying to keep this to half an hour or so. Um, so we'll see how it goes with the new live transmission. Live streaming on Rumble. I tried to get on at about nine in the morning. I was late. I slept late this morning. So um, we're going to try to do this in the future. It seems to work. I'm more work on the front end to do, but the low bit rate. Uh, video can then upload faster to the other platforms and then so I'm up early. I try to get it the, the video and the podcast up uh, before noon at the latest. So that's the plans here. More plans in the future so stay tuned. Um, also check out episode uh, 68 of Tuesdays with Perry. We had a great conversation last night so check that out and uh, see you tomorrow. Revelation.